Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Right. Good morning, everyone. So, all right, this morning we have a treat. We are going to be hearing from our dear brother, Larry Anderson. He and his wife, Gail, have served here at the church for years. He's uh, one of our elder board leadership. So if you guys could join with me this morning in giving a warm welcome to Larry Anderson as he comes and shares the word. Good morning, everyone. Wow, I know I'm in the Father's house this morning. Right? Oh, what a time of worship. Thank you, Tommy and worship group. Wow. Leading us into the presence of God. Exciting. Exciting. It isn't happening in every church, I'll tell you, where you can enter into God's presence and just get there so quickly and just notice Him in the midst of us. It's, it's really special. This is the Father's house. <laughs> Maybe called Anchor Church, but this is the Father's house. That's what it is. Yes. I entitled this message, What's the Plan? What's the plan? My wife says to me many mornings, Larry, what's the plan? What are we doing today? You know, when you get to be my age and you're retired, you no longer just get up and go to work. Now you have a new boss. You have a new thing to consider. What's the plan? You know... Currently in my reading, my, my reading every day includes Old Testament, the history, the poems, the prophets, the gospel, and the letters to the church. And in the Old Testament reading I'm doing at the moment, I think I'm reading the newspaper. <laughs> Honestly, I think I'm watching the news. It is absolutely parallel to what is going on. It is crazy. You know, the nations, the Western societies, uh, I think even Europe looks at us and says, what's happened in America? You know, it's, it's crazy. We've thrown out facts and truth, and it's all about p- opinion now. And, you know, it, with trying to indoctrinate people, or if you're a certain mindset, you're trying to indoctrinate people in what you think or feel. We're not going back to the core and the truth of what we need. It's just what God says. So this is where we're going this morning. We're going to take a piece of word of what Jesus said. That's where we're going. And, you know, there's a message here for everyone. Don't look and think it's for your wife. Or don't look and think it's for your husband. My wife always used to sit and say, I hope Larry's getting that. (laughs) You know, that's no, 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 no. Not at all. This is it. But here's the place we're going. This is coming from John 12, verses 20 through 33. Some Greeks had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. Paid a visit, I paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, 
unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I'll do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, would you just bring forth your word to your people. Lord, would you bring it to them accurately, truthfully, and with the power that you intended to bring to each individual life that hears my voice right now. Lord, I pray you'd anoint your word and cause it to go out and accomplish those things you intend it to. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. New lives. You know, the first piece of scripture here I want to speak about for a minute is verse 24, where it says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus' focus, by the way, is on new lives. It's not on moving people from one place over here to some place with us. No, no, it's new lives he's interested in. Totally new, a new creation. That's what he's looking for. So we need to make sure that just sinks in. This is what he's doing. You know, God called Abram. You remember Abram way out there in Asia somewhere, and he called him to come to the land which is now Israel. He brought him to that area around the Mediterranean. And then the Jewish people from Abraham. Abram eventually became Abraham. You know the story. Well, the intention of God, according to the Bible, was that he would have a people. He would have a people to show and demonstrate himself through. And he wanted these Jewish people, the children of Israel, to show who he was to all the nations, all the heathen nations. It was about showing who God is. It wasn't just giving a wonderful life, which he did do, of course, when they were walking with him, but it was to show the nations. And today, Jesus is calling Jew and Gentile to come and be the light of him, to bring him to the people in your neighborhood, in your office, in your workplace, wherever that is, you ought to go and bring that light of Jesus to those people. Doesn't mean preaching a sermon. It doesn't mean telling someone to repent. You may find the occasion where you want to do that, but that isn't what it means. 
means you're living your life in such a way you're noticed. That one's different. Ooh, I hear she's a Christian. People begin to recognize and know who you're associated with when Jesus lives inside of you. It shows. That's the light that we are to bring. He's asking us to die to self, so to bring everlasting and multiplied life forever and ever. He's asking us to die to the short term to bring the forever. We have a choice. You know, we can hang out in this world and try to gain some benefits from it and try to enjoy the moment, but this lasts but a blinking of the eye in the scope of eternity. That's all it is. It's virtually nothing. And so if I fool around and spend 20 years of my life just fooling around trying to enjoy what this world has to offer, that's wasted time on seeing new lives into the kingdom forever and ever. You know, remember the seed teaching that Jesus gave. You know, some fell on the, on the stones and on the pathway and it didn't take. People really didn't go on. They heard the word, but it didn't really go on. And then there's another kind of seed, it says, where, yeah, they went on with Jesus for a while. They went on in the seed, the word they heard, but then the cares of this world took over. Sometimes success is the worst enemy you can have. Sometimes success will come and bring all kinds of goodies, which are so much fun, we forget where we came from. We forget we're walking in the blessing of God. We forget it. And eventually you walk right out of it. I'm a testimony of that. Good soil brings a good harvest. And good soil in this case is taking Jesus seriously. Taking him seriously at his word. And there will be a plentiful harvest of new life. You know, it's painful sometimes. Here we were, Gail and I, we were walking with the Lord. We'd been with him for a while now. I had a good job in Seattle. We were in a fantastic church called Westgate Chapel under a pastor, Pastor Alec Rowlands. God was doing an amazing work there, tremendous revival. My goodness, the prayer meetings, midweek prayer meetings, there were, you know, thousands of people there. It was, it was a phenomenal work going on. And we, we just, everything was really good. And then this little church down here in Port Clyde, Maine, of all places, where I grew up in this little fishing village down here, this little church came and said, Larry, we think God has told us you're to come and be our pastor. <laughs> and Gail laughed. She said, what's that about? And so they kept talking with me, and so... Eventually, they sent me a little handwritten letter by an elderly lady in the church. There were about 22 people there at the time in the church. And, and she scribbled out a letter and said, Larry, we don't know what we can pay you. We can only tell you how much we've got in the bank and tell you how much is coming in. You tell us what we can afford to pay you. So I, I shared that with Gail, and she laughed. She said, okay, that's over with. Let's get back to our lives. I said, well, hold on a minute. Because God had given me a word. And I could see this as an opening to the word he had given me. And the short version of this story is we said yes to Jesus. But it was painful. It took a whole year to say yes to Jesus. And then we fell flat on our faces one Sunday afternoon. I'll never forget it. We fell, and we said, yes, God, we get it. We get it. And you know, when we said yes, 
to Jesus and we came. There was no way the church could support Gail and I. In a matter of two weeks, in the industry I worked in, they came and wanted me for a consultancy position, which more than covered our needs for income. That's how God works, folks. He doesn't take everything away. He takes away the stuff that's blinding the light, that's stopping the light of him in our lives. And he has a plan. He's created you in a very special way, and me in a special way. And he's wanting you to find that special place. He does not make it complicated, but I will tell you it is difficult. He doesn't make it complicated. You know, I'd always planned, I had a good plan for my life. I was working it out. I, had, I knew where I was going. I had my five-year plans, my ten-year plans, and I knew everything was going. Yeah, in the scope of God's economy, it was a dead end. That's where that was going. I thought, you know, if you honor God by going to church and give some money, even give a tithe or something, that will appease this God. He should be happy. He'll take good care. He'll see that my income stays strong and, you know, life is good. Yeah. That's my plan. That's your plan. But what's God's plan? What's his plan? In verse 25, it said, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. You know what that means? That means that my plans and my vision don't lead to eternal life. That is not what the end of those plans are. No. It says those who care nothing. It doesn't mean they're being callous. It means they've found the right side of the coin. It means they've found out there's something far more valuable than their own little knit-in little plans that they have. Stepping into his plan is eternity. What's the plan? Ah, God has the plan. He alone has the plan. Only he knows how to complete it. And he knows how to complete it with little vessels like you and I of fairly low value until he comes in and causes it to be value. This is what happens. He's had a plan ever since the Garden of Eden. When man fell and lost what God had given in the creation, he's had a plan. And you know something? We're not an accident. There's no one in this room that's an accident. You are here extremely unique. You have something very important for the kingdom of God. He wants you to discover it and find it. And you may be frightened of it, but it will be a blessing pressed down and running over. If you trust God, you will never be sorry. Of course he wants us to have a good job. He wants us to have a family. He looked at Adam in the garden and he said, oh no, he needs a helper. And he gives him a spouse. He wants us to have spouses and he wants us to develop families and multiply. This is what God wants us to do. And he's created you for a special kind of work. And you will be blessed when you discover and find the work that he has for you. And by the way, that changes from time to time in our lives. He reinvents us at different times. He took me from the corporate world and put me in this little church in Port Clyde, Maine. And then he turned around and blessed the work. And we didn't see church transfer. We baptized people down there at Drift Inn Beach. God started bringing people into his kingdom only through faithfulness. 
When I said yes to, to God that we would pastor that church, I remember day one. I remember it, September 12, 1999. I went in the church, it was empty, uh, midweek day, and sat on the front pew and said, what in the world am I doing here? I've never trained to be a pastor. I've, I've not been to theology school. I don't know anything about what I'm doing. And then the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me and said, you don't need to. I have already shown you in the places you've been the way I work. You stick to the word. And you remember prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. Being with God is the key. God blesses through his plan. Verse 26 says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Wow, that's a big statement. How are we going to be where Jesus is? And the Father will honor anyone who served me. By the way, that's not a suggestion. That's a must. I always remember I was in Italy traveling with my sales guy down there in Italy, and I said, Giovanni, why do you always go through red traffic lights. In the U.S., we stop and we go and it's great. Oh, he says, that's just a suggestion. <laughs> I was a little concerned as I rode with them for the next couple of days. This isn't a suggestion. Jesus says, you need to be where I am. And what does that mean, simplified? It's an intimate Consistent relationship with God. How do you do that? You do that with the Holy Spirit bringing Jesus to live within us and we now have the mind of Christ, the lead of Christ. We take every random thought captive in Jesus Christ and we hold it back and we allow Jesus to speak and to lead. Folks, he wants to. And he'll make no mistake. He will lead into things that are blessings pressed down and running over. But they look very, very scary upon entry. And it looks even more scary when I let go of my plan. And I step out there on this lily pad and I don't know where the next one is. I'm wondering what's going to happen here. But, you know, it's going beyond trying to appease a God and going to church every Sunday and reading a devotional maybe uh, once a day or whatever. It goes beyond that, folks. It is listening. It is listening. Hey, consistently being with God is spending time and listening. He wants to speak, and you will not mistake his voice as you get to know him. If you make a mistake, he'll correct it as a teaching and a learning, and you'll go on from strength to strength. This is what he wants from all of us, and he wants us to be obediently doing that that he speaks to us. So, verse 27 says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. What is the reason you came to Jesus? Are you going to leave it now? I remember just like you do, the time he just touched me and threw me upside down. And I promised him everything. And in no time at all, in a year, two years, five years, whatever, I was back doing my own thing again. I'd forgotten that promise. Oh, I'm an example of backslid two, three times. 
in my walk. But this walk is 35 years plus now. Giving it to the Lord and let him lead and guide. And it's been a phenomenal ride. And it continues. Don't think that 82 makes any difference to God. Makes no difference at all. God will be fruitful. He says so in his word. So, we honor God with our lives by living the kingdom principles and being an example of it and being a light in the schools, in the workplaces, anywhere, in the neighborhood. We're to be that light. And we're to be a loving and kind light. Not something whipping up on people. That never would have drawn me in. God knocked me over with his loving kindness. There I was sitting in England, up in Ulverston, up in the lakes region of England. I was nowhere with God in my life at that time. I went with my wife Gail to meet her parents. And her father said to me, it was a Saturday, Larry, we go to church on Sunday. Would you like to go with us? I said, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the church. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. I know all about church. Oh, yeah. I'm... He says, well... I just want you to know this is an assembly of God. It's Pentecostal. He said, uh, you know, you may hear people speaking in tongues. There may be people fall over in the spirit. There may be these different... I thought, oh, these are strange things. I actually don't know about these things. But we go in that church, a church of, well, about the size of Anchor, really. And uh, sure enough people speaking in tongues and there came this tongue and then the interpretation wow someone in there knew me and where I was coming from and it cut me totally cut me who knew that about me how did they know that and then the communion came along and Gail's mother actually sat between Gail and I and she took the bread, they took a big piece of bread and they broke it off and handed it. And she broke the bread and handed it to me and said, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Whew. I'll tell you, great big tears started rolling. I was totally overcome. And then came the cup, the chalice, and they wiped it with a cloth in those days. That never would happen now. And she said, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Whew, my goodness, folks. I can't tell you. I was a basket case, unbelievable. There was nothing left of me at that point. And then God spoke a word to me. He said, son, you have walked away from your birthright. And you can either decide to do something about it today or I won't be bothered with you anymore. Changed everything. Changed everything. Everything in my life got turned around and went in a whole new direction and I am not sorry for it at all. It is fantastic. So the question is, as difficult as it is, do you want to go back and be without him? I don't think so. So we have to embrace this new life with gusto. You see, Jesus' death was a triumph. His death on the cross, that was not a defeat. That was a triumph. 
Do you realize? He said, you know, you've read all the accounts, how they were mocking him, what they were doing, what they were saying to him. He didn't answer. He didn't do anything because he'd made his decision. He was going on and doing what he came to do. You want to see someone brave and with courage and strength, that's bravery. That's courage. If you're walking with Jesus and people are making fun of you, oh, you're one of those holy rollers, you're this, that, and the other thing, Bible thumper, whatever in the world they want to call you. That's not easy to take. Particularly if you're anything like me, and I wanted to be friends with everyone. I wanted to please people. I wanted to be a good guy and be with the group. It's hard. It's hard to stand out for Jesus. But he's called us to do that. He's called us to, I'll tell you, that takes courage. That's not for any weakling. That's courage, folks. That's what real courage is. Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I've already brought glory to my name, and I'll do so again. Verse 29, when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Verse 30, then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come. When Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Words of triumph, not defeat. If we think of the cross on the human level, we miss the whole point. (laughs) You know, the murder of Jesus is a secondary thing. That's not the primary thing. Jesus' death was not in weakness. It was in strength and courage and triumph. And yielding a life to Jesus is not weak. It is not weak. It is a triumph. Finally, 35 years ago when I said, yes, I'm not going to walk away from my birthright. I'm having this. That took courage. I'll even tell you, at the time I was managing a division of a large corporation and I was in Europe, it was Christmas time. I'd only just come to Jesus in a strong way and here we were having an office party at a fancy hotel and all the employees were there and I was the managing director or the president or CEO, whatever you want to call it. And everyone had their drinks in hand, there was the cash bar and all these things going on. I said, whoa, hold on folks. Hold on a minute. This is Christmas. Before we go any further, I want to remind us what this holiday is and why we're celebrating. And I said, I'll tell you what I want us to do. I want you to sing with me right now, Silent Night. And I gave a word or two or whatever it was. Well, I'll tell you, I believe that incident probably cost me that job. It probably did in the end, because that upset some people very high up. What had happened to Larry? What had happened to him? Well, I'll tell you what had happened. God had a whole new plan, and it wasn't Larry's plan. And that's one of the best incidents that ever happened to me, one of the most difficult, and uh, sad in one sense, but in another way it was triumphant, totally triumphant. See, Jesus died to cast out the authority and power of evil from this world. Hey, if you belong to Jesus, if you now walk in the kingdom of God, and if you're part of it, this world has no authority over you. 
None whatsoever. Don't let it intimidate through what it puts through the media, whether it be social or any other way. Don't be intimidated, folks. You know what you have. Don't let it be taken away. At the end of the day, what we have is not politics. It's nothing to do with it. That is just a game being played by people that want to be in power and reduce the voice of the believers in Christ. Don't listen to that. We belong to the King of Kings. So just remember completely, don't be put off. And when we yield to Jesus' authority, it defeats that control of the world over our lives. You see, Jesus' death was the only death, which is the ultimate victorious death. Now, you see, the death verdict has been canceled in our lives. You know that. Death has been canceled in your life. You know what's going to happen. I think you know. When, the, when it's time for this, we fall asleep and we wake up in the presence of Jesus. That's what happens. The Bible's very clear about it. This is what happens. It tells us in various places. We just go to sleep. And we wake up and there's Jesus. We see him face to face. We'll see other loved ones that have gone before us. Yes, this is what it is. This is when we walk with Jesus, the promises are greater than anything this world can offer. And not temporary, but permanent. Jesus said, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. How can you be sure? How can you be sure that you're following Jesus? You will know. What you have to do like I did. I remember hearing a message something like this one time and I thought, you know what? I'm walking with Jesus, I'm growing, I'm getting more mature, I understand the word better, I understand this Christian thing better, but I'm not sold out. I'm not sold out. I'm not trusting everything that Jesus wants me to trust in. I'm not letting him truly lead me. And I thought, what would happen if someone really believed this and acted upon it? What would happen? And that excited me. And that changed my whole life to walk the way I have ever since. It's because I do believe it. I know it. I know God will attend to his word. I know he's speaking in here right now. I know he's speaking to you. He speaks to me even as I bring his word. The word is powerful. It's anointed. It's nothing to do with me personally. I'm only a vessel, folks. And this vessel's only as good, as committed as it is to Jesus. That's it. And you can be the same, committed. I'll tell you, what, he, what could he do if he gets a hold of you and you and you or you, where you are and the people you influence? Imagine what he can do with that. But I'll tell you, it takes a real stepping over the line. We have to really step over, folks. We have to know, I trust him. He's got it. I'm not walking away from my birthright. I know where I belong. I know who I belong to. I'm going to bring this to a close here. But I was reading in the Psalms, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, I forget. I know I say Psalms funny. <laughs> when we were in Seattle, uh, Gail and I led a class uh, in the church there. 
And every time I'd get up and say Sam's, they'd all make fun of me. Uh, Larry, is that first or second? They thought I was saying Sam. So, Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. What I want to do, I want to speak this to you like a, a closing prayer. I want this to be, I'm praying this over you, church, this morning. I'm praying this over the Father's house this morning. I'm praying this for you, that you will be touched, you will believe it, and you will walk with Jesus from this moment forward. This is what the psalmist wrote. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. You are transplanted to his house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. I'm a witness of that. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Amen. 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 That's a good word. It's a good word. Come on, let's just stand on your feet and let's close this time in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for Larry and Gail, as they have just uh, served this body of believers for so many years. And we thank you, God, for the word that you brought forth this morning through him. Thank you, God, that if we ever have any lies in our head, God, from the enemy of our soul that would try to tell us that there's no plan, that we're just floating out, that it's hopeless, Lord, that we can remember, Lord, you have the plan. You have spoken the plan. You've got one for each one of us. And the devil is a liar. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth that you've spoken, Lord, and that lives in each one of us. And, Lord, we pray right now that each and every person in this room will remember that. If there's uh, any, any place in our heart, Lord, that is not surrendered to you, God, that we would do that right now and say, God, you can have all of me. I want to walk your plan. Have your way in my life, Jesus. And, again, we thank you for this word today. Let us walk it out because it is yours and it is truth and it is powerful. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.